Hello, welcome to Inside Out Alignment, your uh, platform for self-discovery and creativity. Your host, once again, Mary Tapper. It's an honor to be here with Stacy Dorek, a certified yoga instructor since 1995. She's an author of she's a, uh, the author of Sunlight Chair Yoga Books. So, Stacy, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for accepting that invitation. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. It's good to be here and connect. Wonderful. So we are going to go straight into this yoga thing. When people talk most about yoga, yoga, it's more like yoga meditation. You know, they always like go together. Can you like give us an outline of how those two are so linked? Sure. Yeah. Well, first, when people, there's a few things. There's yoga as this, a state of being. So the word yoga in Sanskrit means to unite, to connect. Mm -hmm. So literally, the philosoph philosophical meaning is to connect your individual soul, your essence, your individual soul with the universal soul. So it's basically connection, yourself with everything that exists, your, your inner self, your soul, humans, the animals, the earth, the energy that permeates everything. It's one. We're all one. So that's actually yoga mm -hmm. as a state of being. When people talk about, I'm going to do yoga or meditate, those are techniques, part of the yoga path to feel that oneness and reconnect. So most people now say, I'm going to take a yoga class or do yoga or practice yoga. So they're doing poses or meditation or techniques to, they're not all doing it to achieve that state. Some just want physical health or to help them sleep better or to ease anxiety or different benefits. So meditation and yoga really could be the same thing because when you meditate, you can be in that state of union yoga. Mm -hmm. You can be meditating and trying to meditate and concentrate, but your mind's very busy. So you're actually not in that state, but yes, you're still doing yoga. You're practicing yoga. You can't technically, you're not really doing yoga. You're our yoga. You're in the space, but as a technique, just for simplicity, I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do poses or relaxation or concentration or breathing practice. So does that kind of clarify? So yoga meditation, yoga can be meditation, but the yoga mm -hmm. can also be poses. Yoga can also be doing um, service, volunteer work for your community. That's karma yoga. Yoga can be eating vegetarian or vegan, not harming animals, ahimsa, that's yoga. So yoga is not necessarily having to meditate. And meditation doesn't necessarily mean you're in yoga. Most people yoga. meditate, we're just trying to calm the mind. Mm -hmm. But so, so people use it as a verb. It's also a kind of a state of being, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Most people aren't always clear on the real essence of what yoga means or just taking classes or the technique, which is still good. Everything leads to the next. Right. Thank you so much. So when you, when you talk of sunlight, uh, cheer yoga, why sunlight cheer yoga? Okay. So I started, um, practicing yoga in high school, but I was mm -hmm. raised with it before I was born. My father, and mother shifted to become vegetarian and we're going up to um, the city yoga ashram in New York with Muktananda and brought us when we were little kids. So I was raised with it. And in our house, we had a meditation room where my father meditated and 
did his practice. So I was exposed to it, but I started my own postures and, and practice in high school from a Lilius full and videotape and then started meditating in college. So when I wanted to start teaching yoga, it was 90, let's see, four in 95, 96, there wasn't yoga in the gyms and studios like it is now. And I was in college then in New Mexico. So I created the name Sunlight Yoga. I, I maybe was inspired by the New Mexican beautiful Southwest sun always out. <laughs> I'm technically hot the yoga, what I teach and do, the poses, the breathing, the meditation, means sun and moon yoga. So I guess really I probably should have said sunlight, moonlight yoga for balance, <laughs> like a yin yang. But I just made the name sunlight yoga and made a sun logo with an ohm. So that's why the sunlight, it was just kind of a name and I've used it ever since and I'm still teaching now uh, 25 years later. So. Um, the chair yoga came about because as I was very soon into teaching, I came out of my teacher training in 95 and started teaching and realized not everyone could get on the ground. Some were in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. um, some had physical injury or had a surgery, couldn't get up from the ground, couldn't go in a shoulder stand. And I didn't know how to um, adapt the poses then because in my initial month long training, I did a Shivananda training at an ashram. They teach the poses and not so much adaption. So I was doing what we learned in training, which was often having them relax and skip the pose if it, they couldn't do it. But soon in, I realized people are, we need a lot more than that because they're gonna just relax for an hour and a half, which is still good, but we wanna move the body. So I just started getting creative on my own to help people and adapt the poses in a chair or wheelchair. Yoga is about the mind training, not just the body, but the body can do so much and then over the years, I, in my 20s and 30s, got Lyme disease. So that led me to take chair yoga, which is basically just yoga, but using a prop, a chair for support. You can do it seated. You can stand and hold the chair for balance. Some seniors or any age with limited mobility might need a chair or wall for support. I was getting dizzy and vertigo and fatigue and couldn't do more than a few minutes yoga and I didn't feel well. I was like, it was like months and on off years with a flu-like condition. So I did some chair yoga and then I started teaching more of that. But throughout the journey also, I was teaching companies in Bay Area and it was um, Goldman Sachs, my, one of my first companies. They wanted me to do a workshop, but they didn't want the employees to change into yoga clothes and look unprofessional. That was what they told me in San Francisco so long ago. So I just got creative and taught them yoga in their work clothes around a conference table, which is also chair yoga. I now call it sometimes office yoga. It's kind of the same. Although in office yoga, you can use a desk or any, you know, learn some short few minute breaks. So it kind of evolved from my own healing of Lyme disease, helping people with chronic illness, which was my inner calling when I was sick and as I got better and really wanted to help people. But it can also be sometimes when people are pregnant, their trimester wants support of a chair. Um, but that's how it happened. And I was teaching in assisted living homes and for seniors and all ages. And then when I was chronically ill, I really understood that um, it's not for seniors chair yoga or just in the workplace, but people can be 20 or 25 or late 20s like I was and you look healthy, but you're not and you're exhausted and you can't maybe have joint pain or dizziness. So you really um, can do yoga, but with support. So it came about from that. And then just out of the love in my heart to share the teachings of yoga, which is really why I teach mm -hmm. people help people manage their life with the 
technique that has no side effects and we can do every day. And I wanted to share that just like yoga. So I kept sharing the chair yoga and then eventually wrote a book and started training teachers, um, a chair yoga teacher training, because I felt I was living in Florida at the time I started my first chair yoga teacher training and writing my book. And um, it was actually after the book, the training started, but I was seeing that there was so many senior homes and assisted living homes with not having yoga and they could all benefit from chair yoga, including Alzheimer's homes, because you can do it at any stage of life, any condition. So I started the teacher trainings every um, in person and then now I do it online and I've been teaching ever since. Now I have a mission more is to train teachers to teach chair yoga so they can all around the world for my online training then go out and bring chair yoga to their hospitals and in their community and support groups and senior homes. But it's just yoga. The word sunlight was just my kind of business name and chair tells you mm -hmm. use a chair as a prop. But yoga can be breathing and meditation can be done lying down. It doesn't have to be the active physical exercise, but um, what I train teachers is in all aspects, but a lot of the training is learning how to adapt the poses in chair because that's the cur learning curve for a lot of yoga teachers to learn. But, but the training also, I've trained nurses and social workers and occupational therapists. Some doctors have taken my training because they sometimes don't want to teach a formal class, but they want to give their patients or, or loved ones, just ideas how to practice and exercise and move the body and meditate no matter what condition you're in. So um, that's how it kind of evolved just from my experience, Lyme disease and helping students adapt and, and it kept going, it keeps going. As long as people want to learn it, I'm happy to teach it. Beautiful. And one thing I noticed is uh, throughout your journey, you've been so creative <laughs> and it's sort of like really aligned with what my podcast is about you know self-discovery and creativity doing things you love being able to tap with your inner self and you know or looking at a situation just like uh with those in the office and then you decided to become creative even in their work club so it's like your journey it's one creative process to another which is really uh i just noticed i'm like man that's becoming more creative and creative <laughs> and that that it, it just gives like it's like uh gives the whole beauty of you know of your journey which i really I, I love that i really love that and you also talk about uh proper exercises okay when doing yoga I know uh, exercise maybe depending on what like, what uh, goal we are working on or maybe our physical being what we are going through or whatever. Can you please expand on that for us a little bit? Sure. And first, um, I want to say I wasn't like a trained in college to write or write books. I've written like four books now. I wasn't like the creativity. I it was really more of my passion to help people and teach mm -hmm. yoga. And however that came through, verbally teaching, writing, now online course, however I can help more people. But I really think the creativity, I do think we all have creativity inside of us. And I think a lot of, we block it often, many people block it because they're in survival mode, work, family, raising kids. And they, they forget there, a lot of people that put time into their inner creativity that comes from the soul. Some people don't know what their natural talent is or creativity, but I find the yoga and meditation is what brings out that creativity. It's often probably just from clearing out my mind and clearing out some extra distractions or doubts or fears 
in my yoga practice that day. And that's how the ideas come through. And then when it flows through, because my mind's more clear, that's when I write books or think of how to teach people. So I think the creativity is enhanced from yoga. When we relax our body and mind, we're not as blocked, right? Mm -hmm. So it comes from that. And that actually leads me to how to, why we adapt the pose and exercise and why and how, as you're asking. And um, basically the human physical body, the yogis look at the body like a vehicle. I've seen, heard analogies from some gurus, like a, it's like a car in the Shivananda tradition. They say your body's like a car. If you don't give it gas or oil changes, it won't work. <laughs> so that's what the yoga asana, the postures are to move the joints, like oiling up the joints, get the circulation flowing, keep the vehicle for your spirit, your body healthy. So the body, even in modern science, we know we have to move every day, right? I also was doing, uh, I was a stress management specialist for the last few years for the Ornish Heart Disease Reversal Program. And the same thing there, they want them to exercise 30 to 60 minutes a day, even after um, a heart attack, even if you modified or prevented it. So the body has to move every day, 30 to 60 minutes. The yogis knew this thousands of years ago, and that's what the yoga asana is posture. They found that as one way for healthy exercise. Although you can walk and do other movement and gardening, it's all exercise. But the yogic exercise was the posture, holding a steady pose, which gives you strength and flexibility or balance or energy or different combinations of it, and moves your prana, like the chi, your vital energy. So that's the asana. So the um, people need to move, but the thing is if you're injured, or if you're in a wheelchair, if you have a pro-surgery, if you're exhausted, say you just, you're going through chemotherapy or some kind of condition where you're depleted, you might not be able to exercise or think you can't. So the idea of adapting poses, whether in a chair or using a wall for support or even in bed if you're sick, is to move the body as much as you can to your comfort, even if it's five minutes. And later that evening, five minutes, if you can't do the, an hour. It's whatever you can do, getting creative. Here's the creativity. Get creative with your own needs to adapt. And people don't need adapted yoga or chair yoga or adapted yoga class. Everyone's your own teacher. We each only, you're the only one in your body who has the experience or the comfort or the pain or the awareness. No one else has it in the world but you. We're all unique. So amazing. But the classes do guide us to learn ways to move and exercise with creativity. But the idea is um, bodies in motion stay in motion is the physics law. We have to move the body or we can get many health problems and joint and muscle problems, especially as we get older. So if you can't get out and walk or comfortably do yoga poses on a mat or floor, the chair makes it very accessible. I teach so many people that are so happy to do chair yoga but wouldn't practice because they their knees hurt, they can't get up and down easy enough. So it's getting creative because we have to exercise for the health. It's one part of our healing every day, ideally move the body. And the yogis also do learn every day, some stillness, train the mind, relax the nerves. That's the meditation. But the exercise in yoga would be the postures. I also hike and walk and dance. There's always great ways to exercise too, but the yoga poses is a little different because you're getting maybe cardio or strength, but you're also meditating in the pose, ideally. Mm -hmm. You're slowing the breath down in the posture. That's what some people miss. They just do the poses some teachers don't discuss or some modern yoga focuses on the workout. But if you're tuning into the breath while you move the body, it becomes a meditative movement. 
And then if you spend five, 10 minutes in stillness after the pose, you're relaxing the nervous system and the mind. It has a different effect than exercise, but both are great every day. If you're in a chair, whatever you can do, you move to your capacity and get creative. If you can't move comfortably, what are the, I, like in my training, I teach focus on the joints and the muscles that do work, not what's not working comfortably. Because you don't wanna, sometimes people have, they break a leg or they have a knee injury or need surgery. They stop all exercise, but your arms might be healthy. You can lift them up and down. You can do weights. You can do yoga poses and even in a chair. So the yeah. idea is keep the body moving, right? Every day. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, the yoga, like the, the poses, when, do you work? With, no, not that. Like when you work with, with people mm -hmm. or maybe you're working with a group, do you like maybe try to have them like those who have like the same or similar issues or let me say you go in the office. Now, maybe their health condition might be, dif might be different. So how do you manage something like that? That's a great question, yeah. So um, first thing, since March, since the pandemic shut down, I've been teaching only online, on Zoom, live, or my online pre-recorded classes. I really miss being in a group with a lot of people because you, you, I feel the energy of the people. When I teach, I teach to who's in front of me. I have yoga techniques, sequences, and my own practice and my training as a guide, but I'm teaching to who's there and what they need that day. So every teacher is different. There's some schools of yoga that just teach the same sequence no matter what. But that's what I learned early on though, although that's good and useful if you're healthy, but I've also learned early on that everyone can do those sequences and, and variety is good too for the muscle and mind training. So I teach to who's there. So if, if they're, you're like, say I'm in a class, you're kind of like, if there's a group of people, what if some people can't stand, right? In a, even a chair yoga class or non, but some can, how do you teach that? Is that kind of what you're asking? So that's the beauty of the chair yoga and why I love teaching this to yoga teachers to teach other people and to students to empower themselves. Cause you can do the same pose seated as you can standing. Sometimes it's different benefit. I can show you just an example. Um, I'll just think of one here. So like a lunch, you can try it here cause you're sitting a lot with doing these wonderful podcasts, right? So um, this can help your sciatic joints. You lift one knee up. So here's an example, seated lunge. So, so usually I like to start with the pose that everyone can comfortably do together. So people are able to lift their leg and that's, you can do some knee circles for the hip. And then the way I teach, everyone's different, but I like to then I'll offer the standing, but I wouldn't just do a standing lunge because in a chair yoga class, if people aren't comfortable sitting, I'm sorry, standing, standing, I want them to first learn that. So then they can do that while we all do the standing. So we're both doing the same pose. No one's better or worse. It's yoga is what's comfortable for your body that day, and that can change day to day. If I'm not teaching chair yoga, I would probably just go right into the lunge. But even in when I teach regular classes that are not using chair, sometimes I'll show if you need a wall, or I mention you can use a chair. Mm -hmm. So like say lunge with a chair standing can be like that. So see, that gives leg strength. You're welcome to try it. <laughs> it's good in the back, uh, calf stretches, and you hold and breathe slow. Mm -hmm. That feels great. As a, but if people are sitting, then they get the benefit for easing pain in the sciatic joint. It's not strength. Although you get a little bicep strength lifting your leg, which is right. Really so different benefits, sometimes standing seated. But what I do is teach the same pose 
even if it looks different and has different benefit sometimes together. So I try to keep, you know, everyone included. And if someone's physically not moving that day at all, mm -hmm. watch the breath, same breath focus, because then we're training the mind and we're training the nervous system to relax, even if you're not moving the body. So everyone can join in because as long as you can breathe, which we all are, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> we can all do yoga together. So that's one way I do it, but I read the uh, bodies. I look at everyone's posture and alignment. If people are kind of sitting at their desk all day in a company class, which a lot of people are, and just kind of slumped over, low energy, depending what time of day, I might do more back bends to open the upper back. Okay. I kind of get to teach a holistic yoga class with the whole, moving the joints every direction, but I can focus depending who's in front of me, what their needs are. And I, but more importantly than looking, I, I feel the energy of the room. I've been teaching and doing a lot of meditation and yoga. So I, I feel the prana. I feel the energy. It's all about what people mean that, or I, I hope it is. <laughs> I try and I get feedback, you know, they're, everyone's their own yoga teacher. Often we go into a, class and you wait for the teacher to tell you what to do and you do the pose and it's like the teacher knows more than you but it's not true you are your own yoga teacher your breath and your body are the teacher the physical external teacher is just teaching techniques guiding you hopefully inspiring you and hopefully doing a lot of practice that their prana can uplift you but um, I check in because everyone's their own teacher. So they might need to come out of the pose earlier than others. Some might want to hold longer. I give options also. I give mixed level options. Mm -hmm. Isn't a level like better or worse or more advanced. The level might just mean today you're more tired. You want to hold two breaths. Then, or some people might want more vigorous and want to break a sweat in lunch hour and do eight breaths of the pose. So it also could be how long you hold. Yeah. Is that wow. kind of answer? Yes, you did. <laughs> I get passionate about yoga when I talk about it. So it's mm -hmm. a lot of good topic. Yeah, the energy is, I feel the energy. And that's my next question because you're so like into this, uh, so excited talking about it. So I just want to ask like, how do you do to keep your energy, you know, going every single day, you know, while you're going through your activities or when you, there's maybe stress or something or, you know, life through things that are sometimes and, you know, how do you go through your day, you know, having to stay focused, stay put and, you know, keep doing what you love doing. I do my yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and that means it's honestly, I might be passionate talking about it now. I have all the obstacles everyone has why we don't practice. I could be distracted, lazy, dull, not motivated, negative mind. Late, lucky, lazy again. <laughs> I want to sleep, not get up and meditate. I want to eat junk. I want quick energy. I'm watching too much news. I do everything everyone else does, but I know enough now doing this so long that I want to, what I do every day to keep me more grounded because the, there's often stress or, or so much stress now in the world. So, what I do every day, my formula is basically this ideally. It might be little less, little more. Sit in stillness. This is all I learned from the yogis, traditional yoga. Meditate every day. I start my morning, 30 to 60 minute. I set a timer. Meditation. Ideally, I don't go on my cell phone till I'm done. Don't check the emails till I'm done. Start the day. And what I do when I meditate, I'm not just sitting there right away because the mind, um, usually you're more fresh right when you wake up, but the mind needs training. So I do some mantras, yogic um 
Sanskrit or other mantras to connect me to my inner self, my divine, and I do some other prayers. Then I do some yogic breathing exercises for energy. So I do one where you like pump the navel in and out, Kabbalah Bhati, and then I do one for calming alternate nostril breath. Yeah, I'll send you some all my videos. You can practice every day, all of this. I can send you, I got like 80 to 100 hour, hours of yoga online courses. I'll share those as my gifts. So you can try all of these techniques. So I do about 10 minute pranayama breathing exercise and that gives you energy for the day. When I feel dull and not motivated, I don't even want to meditate, which is often, I might not want to, but I know enough now that if I sit on my meditation cushion and do the pranayama and do my mantra and then watch the breath and train the mind to concentrate or meditate, once I start, I'm like, so glad I never regret it. So I know enough now that I do it anyway, even when my mind's finding every reason why I don't want to do it or I'm busy or getting out of habit because I don't want to lose the habit. This is, I do this every day because I won't let, I don't even barely let a day go by without practicing because the mind is so quick to lose the habit like exercise or eating bad. But it's, it's, um, it's so quick and easy to lose a good habit, but it's harder to create that good habit and sustain. So I don't want to miss a day or two days because once the mind kind of loses the habit, it's, it's harder and you just keep going down spirals. So I meditate every day, stillness. 30, the basic formula is 30 to 60 minute stillness for the mind, 30 to 60 minute movement exercise, as we talked about, either postures or dance or walk or hike or bike, anything, all of it. The postures do something different than just exercise, as I mentioned, it moves my prana, it gives me flexibility, it makes me feel better in my body. I, like many women and men too, but um, more common probably with women, struggle with body image issues and weight issues since I was a young girl, unfortunately, like many. So the yoga postures I noticed different than just exercise definitely makes me feel more accepting and loving my body for the beautiful functions the organs do and the health I have versus judging my body on how I look or my weight, which is not always rational and it's a, um, struggles real for a long time for me. So stillness, exercise, this is basically yoga. The Shivananda tradition taught me the five points of yoga and this is what it is. Proper exercise, proper meditation, proper relaxation. I do that at the end of my postures, you lay in stillness. People love this pose called quartz shavasana. It's a conscious relaxation different than nap time. Naps are relaxing, but this is different. Yogic relaxation, you're awake and you're conscious, but you're purposely relaxing your muscles and relaxing the mind. I also do that often at the end of the day before I go to sleep. It's called a body scan. I go through my muscles and relax them and do some yogic techniques in Shavasana like you would at end a yoga class. And then I sleep so sweet sometimes from that. And it's just letting go of extra stress. So it's proper exercise, movement, proper meditation, stillness, proper relaxation, could be after exercise or a meditation. Pranayama, the breath work helps with both. And then this is key, we didn't talk about this yet, but the other element of yoga, well, there's also positive thinking is um, mentioned, you do your best, but proper diet, this is key. Three meals a day we eat or give or take. All the food in our body creates our cells and our our functions and our energy level. So you can exercise and have positive thinking and meditate, but then if you're eating a diet filled with junk and fried food and animal products, you'll get sluggish and low energy and 
Some people get aggressive from the hormones and the meat and things we don't even realize. So the diet is crucial for energy, fresh greens, vegetables, live foods, plants, plant-based diet as much as you can gives you so much energy. And if you eat so great and you have low energy, maybe you need to exercise more. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're not eating all the right nutrients. If you're exercising so much and you still feel depleted, well, maybe you're over cardio. Maybe you're not doing enough stretching or, or strain, or maybe you're not eating enough greens. A lot of us don't eat enough vegetables. So those are kind of the elements. So I do this every day. The simple formula is like move my body, sit in stillness, try to eat my plant-based vegan diet as best I can. Not always perfect. And um, positive thinking. I'm not obviously mastering this like most people, but I can at least become aware that if I'm getting negative or dull or depression setting in, I can at least be aware of it. And my yoga training helps me be aware of it and realize that um, I don't have to live in those negative thoughts. I don't have to act as if that's true. I can master my own mind or try to. So that's, that's yoga. Basically, that's all I do every day. I just, that's why I teach. I try to it's not because I'm trying to walk the walk. I, I teach because I'm doing this and it works and I want to help mm -hmm. other people. I see people suffering so much from anxiety and taking medications and, and depression from things that can, it's still a struggle, even if you do sometimes a yogic lifestyle, but that can be remedied by just simple walking every day for 30 minutes, uplift your mood, get your blood flowing, move your body, helps with all of it. Or simple, slow breathing. If people are having anxiety attacks, I see people suffering so much that the most simple techniques can help. It's just people um, often don't practice every day because you want to practice every day as a lifestyle. So then when the anxiety or stress, like you're hits, building, you have the tool when the panic hits or the stress hits or you're in crisis, it's much harder than all of a sudden, oh yeah, let me train my breath and help me relax. No, you want to try to do this every day as a lifestyle and then you have it as a baseline. Beautiful. It's best so, healthy living, right? It's healthy living. Mm -hmm. And you just talked about uh, the proper diet. So, and you listed all these, uh, you know, uh, plants-based, you know, eating all that veggies and all that, you know. So is that different from the healthy yogic diet you're talking about? Is that different? Right. Does the, do they have like a specific diet or is the same with what you just explained? I love this question. The more years go, I've been teaching 25 years. The more years go on, sometimes I think I just want to help save some animals from getting harmed. So sometimes I think, forget the people. I love you all, but I've taught so much yoga. You have enough information from me. Do your practice, but I want to just help the animals now. But the um, yogic diet, so, the, so it's a great question. So to me, yogic diet is an optimal healthy diet. Yogic diet traditionally was based on the main principle of yoga from the yoga sutras called ahimsa nonviolence. They didn't want to harm other living beings. Animals are like humans. They have families and feel pain and feel joy and the way people love their dog or cat and would never eat their dog or cat. What's the difference with the cow or pig? So the yogis knew this a long time ago. We're all connected. So they were traditionally vegetarian and they also did it for the health of the body, which in modern science, we know it can prevent. And then as Dr. Ornish showed, it can even reverse heart disease if you're vegan or vegetarian. So the diet, um, if you're not eating animal products, you don't have cholesterol in the heart, in the arteries. Mm -hmm. Cholesterol only comes from animal products, dairy and meat. If you're plant-based vegan, you're, there's, you're not having it, you're not getting cholesterol from animal products. So you're, um, 
all the research has shown you're way less likely to get heart disease and other diseases and ailments. So it's ideal on the health and it's compassionate, harmonious with the animals. You're not harming living beings that feel pain and want to live. So that's the yogic diet, but it was used to be vegetarian. Mm -hmm. It was not vegan. Maybe back in the day there wasn't factory farms. So I don't know, maybe they had a cow or um, for milk probably at the ashrams, but now most of the animals are raised cruel, and horrible conditions and captivity. They're not on these free farms like people think in the commercials. They're in 99% of animals eaten in the US come from factory farms, which are literally like concentration camps. They literally in the animal agriculture industry call it CAFO, C-A-F-O, concentrated animal feeding operations. It is so out of alignment. Talk, I love your title of your podcast. Talk about out of alignment. They're feeding sometimes like fish and killing our oceans to feed the cows, which isn't native to the cow's diet, to then feed the humans, which could actually feed more humans if you're raising plant-based crops, not all the water and extra land you need for animals. So it also is sustainable to be vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, maybe they didn't have factory farms or the yogis from culture were vegetarian, but now yoga masters like Dharma Mitra in New York City and um, Sharon Gannon has a great new book, Yoga and Veganism. I read her other yoga and vegetarianism a while ago. The real um, nonviolent diet now is no dairy or eggs because they, they're killing. Um, and I grew up vegetarian, so I've never tried meat, fish, or chicken in my life. And I'm 45. Mm. This day, and all blood work always shows fine on health on every nutrient. But about seven years ago, I shifted mostly to vegan. I'm not always even a perfect vegan now, but mostly. And um, basically what I learned, which I probably knew reading, I read a book in college, Diet for New America by um, John Robbins. His father was the heir to the Baskin Robbins chain, oh. ironically. And he became, uh, you know, writing about animal rights. So even though I knew it's something in my consciousness didn't wake up till seven or eight years ago when I realized actually the male baby chickens, the little cute baby chicks, the day they're born, even for eggs or dairy, even though as vegetarian are still killing the animals because they, people don't realize this, but they take 99% of these chickens are in factory farms. Mind you, they're not running around on free farms. So they, the day they're born, the little baby chickens, they put in a grinder and grind them up alive. It's horrific because why males don't produce eggs. Why? Because eggs are profit. And if the males are being born, they don't produce eggs. That means that the company doesn't have eggs to sell for profit. The same with the baby cows and the milk production and the male baby cows. They've created this word called veal. People don't even realize I took me, it was mind blowing when I learned this all. I never even ate the cows anyway in my life, but people think, oh, veal is delicacy. The, the animal agriculture industry created veal because the male baby cows couldn't produce milk one day where they forcibly impregnate the cows till they can't give birth anymore. And then they kill them to be steak. So the male baby cows, they know one day aren't gonna be producing milk. So what do they do? They put, I saw it at Animal Place Rescue Farm in Grass Valley. It's no joke, it's real. They put them in a veal crate. It's so small, purposely, the, the baby cows can't move around. They do this so they can't build the muscle. And then at two, so their meat is soft. Ooh. It's so sick, it's so cruel. If people really learned this, I think they wouldn't wanna eat these animals. So then, and then after two weeks, the, they, they kill the baby cow, it's called veal. 
And then the mama, who they were, and they're crying. They're like humans. They don't want to be ripped away from the mom the day they're born. They're separated. There's so much cruelty. So, um, sorry if I'm going off topic, but this is for, no. when you learn this, it's like, we all want peace, love, and light, or we say we do. We want harmony and all this discord in the world. And we want peace within ourselves. We want health and happiness for ourselves and families. So why would we want to take that away from animals and then ingest it in our body, which then can create heart disease and diabetes, well, partly maybe diabetes, but other problems in the body. So it, it, it's a win-win-win if you don't eat these animals. They'll eventually, if we don't support the industry, they'll stop, they won't have the demand. We want, the animals will get out of captivity. The animals won't be raised for food and can be free, right? And then some people say, oh, but there's humane meat. I don't think there's anything humane to kill an animal at the end, even if they're raised in a free field, which only 1% or less are on a farm, they still want to live. Why would you want to get your head chopped off to be someone's food for one meal? No. So even the people say, oh, it's organic meat or it's grass fed. Who cares? You're still taking the life of an animal. So the yogis are like, we don't want to be nonviolent. So this diet, it's win, 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 compassion. You don't kill animals. You keep the animals like, trying to have less suffering. It's better on the physical health. Then I am notice even when I stop the milk and the dairy and the, and stuff, your energy is so much better. Your digestion improves. People have had amazing health transformations from just going vegan or just stopping the dairy or just cutting down the meat, meatless Monday, just going more vegetable. So amazing. You can get rid of so many health problems from the diet. And it's hard, believe me, our, I think one of our challenges for changing habits more than exercise or thinking is people's diet. We're so attached to the food we grew up with and what we were taught is good for us, but it's a lot of it's just creating the habits. So it's better on our health. It's better on the animals. It's better for the land and the earth. It's more sustainable. So it's a win-win-win for everyone. But the energy of what we eat, can you give us energy or take energy? We eat fried, heavy, oily foods and sugar you might get a little quick energy with sugar, but then you're going to crash. So eventually that can deplete us. And, and we go to it because we're stressed and we're tired and we want that emotional satisfaction of the sugary or, or filling, fattening food. Believe me, I even vegan. You can get a lot of vegan cookies and vegan ice cream. You can eat junk food as a vegan too. So we do it because we're stressed or we want that um, quick energy because we're busy. But in the long run, it actually depletes energy. So if you start with some more vegetables and fruits, yogis do some to eat nuts and whole grains too and legumes, you'll get more energy actually than the, what the quick fix because you don't have the crash after. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's a win-win-win, a win-win-win. You do, if you go vegan and you don't eat eggs like I do now, I do take B12. So it's kind of the one or two things you can't really get from the food unless you eat a lot of nutritional yeast. I put on salad as B12. So if you want to shift to eat healthier, Ramp up your vegetables, ramp up some fruits. The more of that, you'll have less of the junk is one way. Cause I don't think I'm not an extremist because most people aren't gonna just cut their eating habits going from heavy meat and dairy to perfect plant-based vegan. I don't think, you know, it's ideal. And people might need a, a little balance. And everyone's individual. A lot of people say, oh, everyone's individual. You can't tell people to go vegan or vegetarian. I don't tell anyone what to do. <laughs> I just educate on what is truly compassionate for the animals, on what my experience at 45, and, and I know you don't have to be iron or B12 or protein deficient as a vegan if you eat properly. Sometimes you might need a supplement. 
So it's education. It's stopping, getting accountable with ourselves, stopping mm -hmm. the rationalizations of why we think we need to kill an animal or fish for food. Because you don't, you can get the nutrients from plant-based and omegas another way. So a lot of it's reconditioning, what our parents told us, their parents told them, the commercials told them, the animal agriculture industry. The yogis were thousands of years ahead of the time because they weren't doing vegan to be trendy or vegetarian way back to, because um, it was the health fad. They were doing this because they knew their bodies stayed healthier. They wanted to prevent disease and live longer. They wanted to be in alignment with their friends, the animals and not harm beings. They also learned that what we eat affects our mind state and our emotional state. So the yogis wanted a calm mind to meditate. Different traditions have some different you know, goals, but they learned that like, if you were eating a lot of meat that was killed aggressively, the karmic cycle and the adrenaline in the animals maybe will have your mind more disturbed or more dull or more lethargic in meditation. But if you eat plant-based fresh vegetables, you get live food, prana, and you're more alert and focused. So it also affected their meditation on what they eat. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Stacey, yes, that's for all sharing a lot with us. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you're saying, you're talking about your experience, you're talking about what you've learned and all that. So it's a platform where you got to share, you know, your belief, you, what you believe in and where you are and then share some knowledge. And I might not be, um, eat, yeah, eat meat, you know, all that. I, I can't be affected because you are explaining that. Yeah. It's going to benefit maybe somebody else out, out there, or it might help me maybe shift on some things that I used to do. And that is why we are having all these conversations so we can, you know, respectfully, you know, let everybody, you know, see what mm -hmm. they know and then, you know, bring those knowledge together in order to, uh, to move forward, you know. And I, I really love that because one time I also took a class, it was on, and then I watched, we watched a documentary on Food Inc. And oh, yeah. to be uh, candid with you, when I, I cried, like most of us in class that day, we, we shed tears because it was like, it was really inhumane what we saw. And when I got back home, like my kids, they used to go to McDonald's and all that that sunday i didn't have to wait the following week or whatever I, during that week you know that sunday uh during that week i did talk to them about it and i'm like you guys know what on sunday when we sit we're gonna sit down and watch that documentary because i just don't feel like it's something that i just need to talk about i want us to i want us to sit down and watch it together then have a conversation you know about that which we actually did and at that time, my 14-year-old, I think the line was like, I think he was 10. You know, it was like four years ago. And he was like, what? That, he was hurt. And since that day, he hasn't asked to go to McDonald's or to all these other places to eat. We've cut that off like since then. And he's, the little ones followed through, you know, because we had all these conversations and I said, I don't want to force anybody, you know, to decide like me, but I just, my opinion. And, it, and he was like, mommy, we don't even need to be having this conversation because that is just not right. And we just, we, we moved from there, you know, and kept going. And that's just the same when I see other things online that I feel like we need to, you know, I need to bring this to their attention we sit down or we watch a documentary or we watch maybe another podcast where we have somebody who is bringing 
So those great insights, and then we talk about it. Then I let, you know, just let them be and then let everybody decide on what is good for them. Because I, it, it's not just about me, it's also about what they see and the decisions that they want to make for themselves. And people make those decisions when they are ready. So I believe in that. And I thank you so much for being very open and sharing that with us. Thank you so much. That sounds like wonderful parenting skills. So you're educating them, right? Which is also like after you get it, you want to share with them. Then you're letting, mm -hmm. then you discuss it, which is great. Communicating what's really, because mm -hmm. how they were raised is um, until they saw the movie may be different. And then you're giving them the freedom of choice. See, my parents never said you have to be vegetarian. They raised four children, full vegetarian since birth, all of us. So my mom was cooking and learned how to cook um, vegetarian diet. And she really didn't use barely, not much, little oil, not much. She wasn't really cooking with salt, low in sugar. We were very healthy growing up with the food. My mom did really great to learn how to cook that. But they never said you can't eat meat or fish. It was just what we ate because of the nonviolence and the health. But then like later on, I could have chosen to try fish or chicken. And I never even want to try it because from the early age, since I was born into this diet, I always saw fish for what they are. They're living beings. Why would I want to take a bite and eat one? It was so, mm -hmm. it was to me like taking a bite out of my arm or my friend's arm that I killed. It's the same to me. They're all living beings. It's fish, different body shape than the human, mm -hmm. but we're all breathing living beings. So it's so wonderful parenting because if, if you give them the choice, but they learn education first, they're empowering themselves to make the decision. When yeah. you have to do something, the kids then will want to go the other way often. But there's so many great movies like The Forks Over Knives, Dominion, Cowspiracy. There's so many documentaries now that I, I better than me talking about it, I just want people to learn, watch the documentary, look at these baby animals in these factory farms. But then it's like, if you have compassion for the animals, I think it's easier to not want to eat them, mm -hmm. which then is better for diet, for your health. If people mm -hmm. say, oh, I know it's not good in my heart, I need to not eat McDonald's, mm -hmm. I think that's harder because then it's like motivated by their own habit. And then you're like, ah, what's one more hamburger? But if you think of, oh, these sweet little baby cows who are like dogs and want to play, then you're less likely. And then it benefits health. So I personally think it's- It's good. But when I taught the heart disease reversal program, I didn't discuss animal rights because that program was Medicare covered through mm -hmm. Dr. Ornish focusing on the health aspect. But I always thought in my mind, gosh, if, if people think of the animals and the baby animals, it'll be so much easier to create the healthy habit, but, mm -hmm. but they think it from the health angle. So you can, you know, people come to eating healthier for any reason, but yeah, it's wonderful. Your kids and it doesn't have to be perfect diet, but even if just educating children properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they may want to make better choices because they have to, at some point in some age, they're, they're eating out and about with their friends. And so they need to learn to make the choices for them. What's well, best yeah that's, that's true. wonderful that yeah. you did that with them yeah and thank you for sharing appreciate that and so um you've written many books you've written uh about 10 books well not 10 a few like four if you're well is yeah. it four yeah. yeah so yeah so writing all those those books when what was your motivation to write these books okay well first here i'll share with you what i have sitting at my desk Write your own story. Ooh, beautiful. Write your own story. And I love that. That's just about like creating your life. What's mm -hmm. true or, or it could be literally writing or just that. You know, again, I, um, what motivated me to do it, my first book was Chair Yoga, Yoga for Every, Sunlight Chair Yoga, Yoga for Everyone. 
And it was just to share the teachings because I went through Lyme disease. I was teaching so long that I watched people with illness and pain, depression, anxiety, stuck in the office, no time for yoga. I just wanted to teach them. And if you just do five, 10 or 20, 30 minutes a day, whether breathing, meditation, adapt the poses, you can benefit, have less suffering, function better in your day. I literally just wanted to share that. I never wrote a book. I wrote articles on, on yoga for many years, but I also, again, did that just to share. It's basically like how I teach, I write. So I literally took out a Microsoft Word document. This was ridiculous. When I look back, if I known about like book publishing and, and like the software, I would have made my life easier and probably taken way less time to write the book. But I literally did a Microsoft Word document. It was almost <laughs> ridiculous. Pictures on my iPhone when I was in Florida, an old iPhone. Edited it myself, put it on the Word document, started writing the book, then learned more about self-publishing. So I did write a second edition later on and hired a professional photographer and did a little better. It was still, this is the, my current book, Sunlight Cherry, but people love it. Um, it's, a, it's about 200 photos of adapted poses. And even that was self-published me. It wasn't because I was a professional writer. My motivation was to help people learn yoga. And not everyone's in my area to take my class. Mm -hmm. At that point, I wasn't teaching online like now. So I thought writing a book, people can, who want to can learn that way. And then um, and that's how it happened. And then I had a color edition, black and white edition. I stopped the first edition because the second's better. So that's basically one cherry yoga book, three editions. And then, um, then I wrote a book, Ahimsa, Nonviolent Eating and Living about the vegan diet mm -hmm. and animal rights. And, um, and so I had that one too. So yeah. Yes. And oh, oh, and then I have a newer book. Sorry, I have about five books. Yoga for Everyone is, includes the posture standing on the floor and the chair. I combined everything. So basically not just chair yoga, but yoga for everyone is showing the all versions of the pose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, again, I didn't mean to be an author. I just want to share what I teach in any way I can help people. And I'm happy because sometimes people get referred to my book or find it online. And I've gotten some sweet emails. Like one woman's, I remember she was like, I'm in a wheelchair and I got your book and I've been doing it every day but follow your sequences and she had so much healing from it and it, it just that's why I do this and it warms my heart if I could help people not even knowing who I help that's the work thank you so much and uh, for sharing and uh thank you also for all the uh the gifts that you have for us you know about you know sharing all those poses that can help us in order to get to that space and I like when you talked about um people starting even if it's five minutes ten minutes because it does add up you know sometimes we, if, if we're thinking about willpower it's easy to get stuck but starting you know with you know like five minutes few minutes a day you know it builds up and then you know we build up from that and maybe at, at as time goes on so uh that's More really realistic. beautiful yes yeah. it's more realistic because if people mm -hmm. have to do an hour a day every day meditate or yoga it may not happen maybe in a class mm -hmm. But if you do five minutes, it's an easier habit to create. And then it feels great. You feel sleep better or you interact nicer to your husband or wife or child. And then you may want to do 10. So I think it's a good start. And you said your gifts. Thanks for sharing your gifts. Yoga can help you get in touch with the gifts. One of your gifts is doing this beautiful healing podcast. Um, we all have gifts inside of us to help the world. I think we all, I believe we all have a purpose to be here, even if we're not in touch with what that means. And mm -hmm. it doesn't have 
a big thing on the outside. It could just be being kind to someone in a store or, you know, not eating the animal. We could do it all in different ways, but I do feel we all have gifts. So the yoga can help quiet the mind, maybe free some physical pain, less distraction, and we can get more in touch and share our gifts. I think this world will be a beautiful place. We're all sharing our gifts. And, and sometimes um, that means we have to first get in touch with what is that gift? Mm-hmm. I didn't know my gift was writing a chair yoga book or doing chair yoga. I was a healthy 20 something year old, never used a chair, but was teaching people who needed some chairs. It evolved through just kind of my karma or dharma or experience and what came from inside of me. But I didn't consciously think I have a gift. I'm going to share how people can, you know, teach people yoga in a chair. No, I just was doing yoga to keep my own life more sane, <laughs> to keep less uh, anxiety, keep healthier, just to feel more calm. And I wanted to share it and then it evolves. So the gifts inside of us, I feel I'm beautiful that you have this podcast. However, we can share how people can heal. We need so much healing in this world, in ourselves right now. We do. We do. And thank you so much for being in that place where, because it's because you were able to connect with your very essence that you kept being creative and getting to listen to that uh, still voice and, you know, getting into creating everything that you created, whether it's, you know, using a chair, whether it's, you know, working with people who have different ailments and still writing your books and all that and being able to, you know, to move from one state to another is because you've stayed in that spot and believing that, yes, uh, there is a path to it and you've stayed in that course and being able to put things together and have that quiet place, being conscious of uh, the essence and whatever that can bring to you that you're able to bring this out to, to people and touching so many lives and making a difference in the world. So that I really appreciate that. Is there anything else? Oh, sorry. Yeah, anything else to share? (laughs) I'll share this. The reason I don't just stay in that essence and, oh, I'm going to share yoga for the love of it. It's because I do it every day. I have to self-discipline to check in with that essence every day and sit and meditate. I have to do my work the way we shower every day or every other day, whatever people do, brush your teeth. I have to every day cleanse the extra mind stuff and do postures, cleanse the body, try to eat well. I check in every day. So that keeps me in that essence. What's my purpose here? And I don't always know what that is, but I keep checking it. Mm-hmm. So it comes, it does. Um, I think it comes from that. I do the work to try to stay in that essence because it keeps my life more um, soul and heart based path than what society thinks I should do. And meditation also helps me um, not listen to the noise. I could have, I probably had a million thoughts. Oh, I'm not a writer. I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I writing a book? There's already chair yoga books. I have a million things like everyone else. Why I wouldn't do the things I do. I just learned, don't listen to those voices. Just follow the soul, follow the heart, do it anyway. You can do many things to clear out those extra voices, but when you can start to weed out what's doubt, what's fear, what's what your parents or society told you to do or not to do. What's what you think you should do with your life versus what's in your dharma you're like your mission your heart your soul um and yoga for me is one way to get in touch with that beautiful that inner self yoga is about knowing the inner self self self-realization so i'm not self-realized i don't always stay connected to my inner self but just trying every day to reconnect so my sharing what i want to share is um i think to whoever's listening to this thanks for listening i think that And I know from my experience and 25 years of watching people do yoga of all ages and companies and everywhere, 
you can have less suffering in your day. Think clearer, sleep better, and more physical health and more joy, even if this world is trying to bring us down lately, it feels like. But I feel that um, even a five or 10 minute practice for those who are busy and families and work, whatever you can do. But I do know from my heart and soul that yoga is a beautiful path with no side effects, that you don't need anything external, that you can do with a little discipline, five or 10 or 60 minutes a day to create more harmony, maybe longer life, if not longer life, more peace while we are in this life. So I really encourage everyone to do a practice that's just for you, whether you're busy, family, partners, work, give yourself solitude, five or 10 minutes, get in touch with your body, your breath, see what's really going on and what do you need. And there's many yogas, some people rather qigong or not yoga, but um, there's many ways to live in harmony. Yoga is about harmony and health. So I encourage everyone to um, try it. And I have a lot of free short videos. Everyone's welcome to try. I have a youtube.com slash sunlight yoga San Francisco, or it's just all linked on sunlightyoga.com, my website. But I put, there's plenty of videos. You can just try it out. Um, I have online courses with long hour classes and more extensive classes of all types, stress management and yoga and chair yoga. But I, I put a lot out there, no charge, so everyone can try it. So my YouTube has a lot of short videos and some longer. And I mean, I, I offer as much as I can, but it's up to individually people to practice to get the benefit. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But definitely. if I can encourage that and it helps people, then I've done my job. Yeah, you are doing it. And thanks again for doing what you do. And so on the description box of this episode, I will have your uh, contact, I'll have your information. So listeners can directly, you know, contact you or go on that website and see what you have on there and get the benefits of those uh, videos that you already have up, up there, you know, to help them. They can start from there and then see if they want to go, you know, get the uh, sign up for one of your classes and want to work personally with you and then get the benefits of what you're doing. So thanks again, Stacy, for uh, your wonderful time. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for being here. It was a pleasure and it was a great time being here with you today. Thanks again. Thank, my pleasure. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. And I'm going to send you as my gift, my online courses. So you can have hours and hours of yoga or relaxation or meditation whenever you want from your home. Thank you so very much, Stacey. Thank you. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Have Thank a wonderful you. day. You too. So, listeners, thanks again for being here. Have a great one and bye for now.